All right. Well, let's talk it over here on the Behind the Bench Show presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Uh, Chris Kerber filling in for John Kelly, who, because of the All-Star break and, and also the, the, the travel, had an opportunity to take his family out of town for a couple of days, which is a nice break for him. And as we sit down and talk things over this evening with the Blues head coach, Craig Berube, uh, maybe let's start with that a little bit. Uh, how valuable to you as a coach is just enough time to get away so the brain and the energy stays fresh. Yeah, it's really important, not only for, you know, the players, but the coaches, everybody, to be honest with you, like to get away for a few days and not think about hockey. Uh, you come back, you got more energy, you're rejuvenated, uh, you got a, more life in your body and your brain. Um, so it's, it's good for everybody to get away for a few days. Is that something that you had to learn as a coach where that balance is of, you know, analysis by paralysis, maybe working too much and not being as sharp because the energy level isn't there? Well, anytime when you start out coaching in your career, you're always going to push and push and think you can't give too much time off. And you're always, you know, paranoid about if they're either going to be ready and this and that. But to be honest with you, like the, the mental side of, uh, you know, being ready and and um, mental side rest is more important than physical to be honest with you uh, these guys need to get away and they need, they need breaks there it's a lot of pressure and a lot of hockey and you gotta you gotta really manage that it's a big part of the game you know I think it was Gene Stallings at one point who was the, the head football coach of the St. Louis Cardinals and he used to make his and this is right about the time where it became it started to become more of a thing where coaches were sleeping on couches you know staying at, at the practice facilities and, and he would send his assistant coaches home for dinner he said I, I, look you may if you want to come back that's up to you but you're going home to your family for dinner and things like that and so managing managing coaches managing players managing training staff and all that it, it, it all is part of the job Job, isn't it definitely I mean you got to have you got to make sure guys are uh, you know having time with their families and, and 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 that's a big part of life and it's the most important part of life so you can't keep them at the rink all day they got to give them their time they just do their work and when they do their work and they're done they can go home and and be with your families that's the way it should be you can't sit here and overthink things and over analyze and, and analyze and analyze you just you, you you have to know what you're doing make your decisions and go with them and that's it and go play like over analyzing and all that 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 makes you that doesn't make you very good. To that end, when do you think you became comfortable in your skin as a coach where it was more, hey, this is who I am, this is how I coach, this is what I believe works more so than, ah, this is what this guy says to do, this is what this guy thinks I should do, and and settling into really what you feel is a successful role? Well, when I was an assistant in Philly, well, actually, <clears throat> I knew how I wanted to coach when I became a head coach with the Philadelphia Phantoms. Um, I think right there I knew what kind of a coach I would be. But, you know, as an assistant um, over the years, um, I, you know, pick up on things of different coaches and, and and what they're doing and their styles and stuff like that. But, you know, when I first became a head coach in Philadelphia, um, you know, I thought I'd, I thought I'd was myself but at times I felt I wasn't uh, when I became the head coach with Chicago Wolves I became my myself and I said to, I, I promised myself that I would just do what I think is right I would go off my gut all the time and since then I've done that and uh, you know that's that's the way I coach that's my thought process on it is I'm a gut coach I go with my gut you know whether it's lines or this or that and um, I've done that to that end then what was it like before you trusted your gut? 
Well, you're you're listening too much, you know, and you're and you're you, you want to listen to people. I think, and it's important to listen. You got to have good people around you, which I have my whole career in coaching. But you got to you got to take their thoughts and and uh, what they're saying. But you still, again, you got to do what you think is right, not what what not what not what they say. You got to you got to listen to them, and it's important to listen to them because they're smart guys and they got good ideas. But in the end, you got to just listen to yourself and do what you think is right. Well, let's look ahead now or look back a little bit at how the team has been going here as we're talking with the Blues head coach Craig Berube here on the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Behind the Bench show. And, boy, what a show John Kelly puts together week after week for you with just an amazing lineup of guests and another one set uh, this week for you. Steve Carroll, one of his guests from the uh, the longtime voice of the Anaheim Ducks, he'll be coming up shortly. And, of course, Steve is St. Louis in as well, so stay tuned for that. Craig, what a homestand for the hockey team, a 4-0-1, and that's coming off of that, that tough road trip. Was the home cooking what your team needed? I think so. We were on the road an awful lot this year. and You know, after that Christmas break, we had the back-to-backs against uh, Winnipeg, and then we went on the road for three. It was tough for our team. I thought that um, we were a little unfocused on that trip, uh, to be honest with you. I thought there was other things uh, going on, you know, it, and it's normal, um, you know. It's life. It's life. And so we didn't play very well. So we were at home. We were more focused here at home. We dialed it in, and we had a real good homestand, which was great. Probably should have won every game. You know, we, we didn't win the last game, uh, didn't play our best hockey, but we got a point. So many people talk about the, the importance of learning how to win as a team, uh, learning how to handle losses as a team and, and take the value out of what you did right versus what you did wrong. Is that part of the process too? Oh, big time. I mean, I think you got to, your players have to understand it's constructive criticism and you got to get better. Uh, we always talk about getting better and we show video all the time about what we can do better and how we got to get better. And they're pretty good about handling it, whether it's negative or positive stuff. I mean, it's all part of the, coaching and it's part of being a player and being a pro as this team uh, heads into the the second half of the season now as we approach the 50 game mark a big topic and a storyline going into the season was how do you manage the energy of the team with playing longer into the offseason a shortened offseason kind of scenario do you feel at this point time of the season that that thought process is behind and it's now managing through a normal season uh, yes and no. I still think you gotta you gotta manage it here. I think it's important that uh, you know you get into February days. Sometimes it gets a little uh, you know lifeless at times. So it's important we got to keep managing it. Uh, I think we've done a good job of using everybody, and that's a big part of it. Keeping the minutes down and uh, not overtaxing guys. Um, that's a big part of it. And your you know practices, keeping them short, or you know keeping guys at home and not not bringing them into the rink. That's all. That's all managing uh, energy, and that helps them players. When you manage that energy and then you get guys going, you had a game like you had last night uh, against the Philadelphia Flyers, and a lot of it because of special teams as well, but the minutes were a lot more imbalanced than you typically would like to have them. What do you look at after a game when you see that? Yeah, well, I knew that. Like, I knew that halfway through the game that it was going to get this way. Like, I, the power plays are a big thing, and, you know, we had a five on three, and the guys were out there the whole time. I mean, that's part of it. Uh, so special teams are a big part of it, but we were down by two goals in the third period so I'm rolling three lines and they're going to minutes are going to go up 
do you ever raise an eyebrow at your own team with the way that they have proven this year that they can come back from a deficit even by a couple of goals because it did not happen a whole lot the previous year yeah they believe they you know they they know they're a good team and they know that if they get one goal they're right in it and they don't they keep battling they don't stop and that's that's a good thing they've got a lot of good character guys in this locker room that uh, understand if you keep pushing you never know and so we're, we're fortunate that way uh, you mentioned trusting your gut. What was your gut telling you that made you make a couple of those changes of putting Shen with O'Reilly and Perron, for example, that sparked the comeback? And then, of course, you, you had the Alexander Steen Thomas with Jaden Schwartz out there when they scored their goal. Yeah, you know, I kind of look at what's going on during the game, who I like and who who's not maybe going. And I've, I've used Shen before with O'Reilly and, you know, they produce, and um, I, I like using Shen in the middle of the ice. But when we're on, when the game's on the line, sometimes I, I like to put him up there, and uh, that fortunately worked out well for us. And then I uh, thought Alexander Steen was having a great game. And Robert Thomas is having a good game, so I put Schwartz, Schwartzy out there with him, uh, just a guy that works and hounds pucks and stuff, and I ended up getting another goal. So I just, you know, it just comes to my head while we're going on. It's not, not a whole lot of thinking going on, and it's just kind of moving guys around a little bit. You know, I, I look at some teams that that have amazing talent and, and a lot of young talent but it's taken a while and, and the Edmonton Oilers are, are, are an example of this kind of team and then there's plenty more examples uh, you, you can even throw the Coyotes and you know maybe the Devils some of the other teams in there but it takes a while for that young talent to learn how to how to win to learn how to play a winning style of hockey while still being able to go and play to the level that these young kids think that that they can play in how valuable is it for you to be able to put a guy like a Tyler Bozak, last year a Pat Maroon, this year Bozak and Alexander Steen, around a Robert Thomas while he continues to learn the game and what it takes to be successful night in, night out. Well, it's huge for us, but and it's huge for the kid too, like to be around great veterans that know how to win and uh, know how to play the game properly. I, I'm a firm believer in that stuff, and you know I do get maybe criticized at times well why don't you have this guy with him or that guy with him because he's got more speed or he's got more talent talents comes in a lot of different um, venues in my opinion a guy that has brains and has uh, heart and you know character that's talent for me over skating and passing a lot of times um, and what these guys do is they teach Robert Thomas about them sort of things and those things make him will make him a great player one day um, you can have all the skill you want if you don't have character and you don't have hard work and you don't have brains and uh, you're never going to be a great player and one of the things that when this topic has been brought up to me lately that I bring up to people, too, is it, when they say, wow, we want to see Robert Thomas move up the line, or maybe with this guy, maybe maybe with that guy. You know, we, we look at these scenarios, and and you look at Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron. These guys are producing at almost a point a game. Well, David Perron is a point a game pace. Ryan O'Reilly just off that. And they're doing that while going head-to-head with the top lines of the other team. That's a whole nother level of production, isn't it? Oh, it definitely is. It's that's it's they're good players. You got to you, you got to go head to head with top lines every night, and uh, it's a lot of work. You know, you're playing against some real good players out there, and it takes a lot of effort. Uh, but again, you know, a guy like Ryan O'Reilly, um, when you talk about talent, he might be top three or four in the league for uh, hockey smarts. 
and that's what makes him successful. He uses his brain, uses his stick, and he he, he knows what to do. And yeah, I mean, we want you know people talk. Well, move Robert Thomas up. Well, Robert Thomas, then he's going to play against McKinnons and McDavid's and stuff. And you know his production is probably not going to be as good. So that's how we manage him. We give him a good role on the team. We give him a good matchup every night, and he produces. Five on three. It came up last night again. <laughs> Not a topic is, okay, if you could see this, folks are sitting in an office and the head shakes, and I totally understand that. Uh, it's a scenario, and it, it, look, it's not just now. I mean, it's been a drought for the Blues. It goes back to 2016, actually, in a span of over 22 minutes. And in all fairness, some of those are 10-second, you know, five on threes, which shouldn't really count towards anything. But when you look at that, what, what are you seeing is the difference in five on three with the way this, this unit is playing versus five on for and how do they how do they find a way to be productive attitude 100 percent. that's all it is so five on four we attack and we move it quick and attack move it quick and attack that's it we don't do that five and three we take our time we pass it around um, because you have time and they just sit there uh, it's if you don't have that same mindset you're probably not going to score five and three. Why? Because they're not doing anything. They're standing there. They're in good position. So you, if you want to pass it around and kill the clock off, go ahead. We don't shoot and we don't attack. You have to shoot the puck and you got to attack. And that's got to be our mindset five on three. And when we start to do that and get that mindset and stay with it, even if you don't score, stay with it, we'll start scoring. All right, let's look ahead to the next game, the final game before the All-Star break, the Colorado Avalanche. And, uh, boy, you guys have had some great games, and they have gone both ways. The last one heavily went to, to Colorado. It, it, has this become a bit of a rivalry game for you guys? Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a big it's a big rivalry. Uh, they're a great team. Uh, you know, they got one of the best players in the league on their team, and he's competitive. Um, and that's what really drives that team is his competitiveness. So, you know, it's a, it's a challenge for us to go in there and you got to deal with him. And, and they got other good, obviously very good players. So it'll be a good game. Uh, last time we let it slip away, we let it get away from us. We uh, just uncharacteristically uh, did some not very smart things at bad times and the game got away from us. So it'll be a different game this time. And then lastly, I know after this game, you'll head into the All-Star break. You'll get a little bit of time off, and they get to come back home, bring uh, bring the kids in town too, and, and be a part of the All-Star game. Are you looking forward to, to the honor of being part of those festivities? Yeah, definitely. It's an honor for sure. Anytime you're in the All-Star game, you, know, you should be you know happy and proud of that, that yeah, you got a good team, you know, and that's the way I look at it. we got a good team, and uh, it's great that we got uh, you know four guys on there playing. That's awesome. How about the fact that it's not just four guys, but it's your four overtime, three-on-three guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the goalie, right? And the goalie, too, right. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's awesome. They had great years, and they deserve it. You know, and it's uh, very happy for them. Okay, real quick question here. Uh, Bernie Federico brought this up when I just did a, fun a little function with him. He said when he was in the All-Star game, and he had a chance. I think it was he said his first All-Star game was Wayne Gretzky's first Gordie Howe's last, but really a, an amazing scenario. He tells a story, but there was a lot more animosity in the league, it seemed, between players in those years, and now these guys are coming together. There seems to be a little bit of that, obviously, now with Matthew Kachuk and the Calgary Flames, and Dreisaitl said, Hi, I'll leave the ice, you know, kind of thing with the Edmonton Oilers, and these guys are going to be on the same team. Uh, are you looking forward to just seeing some of the, the personalities in the locker room and, and different guys that normally have to battle hard against each other and, and now come together for a, a, the fun game? Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, 
you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, just talking to these guys. Uh, there's some obviously great players that are going to be there, and you don't know them, and uh, you just see them play all the time. So it'll be it'll be great for me personally just to be able to communicate with these guys and ch- chat with them a little bit. Uh, you know, I think going back with uh, Bernie Federico in those days, you know, players held grudges a lot more and um, because they were taught to do that. And, you know, they, that was instilled in them as a young kid. Um, but nowadays that's changed. So I get with the Matthew Kachuk and stuff, they'll be <laughs> fine. They'll be on the ice together, I imagine, having some fun. You know, like, you know, they, they the players nowadays uh, and life nowadays, you you, you got to move on from things that happen. And uh, our, our, all the players do a great job of that. And they're all pretty close, to be honest with you. You know, they when they get on the ice, they play because they have to, and that's their job. But after, when that, when they're not doing that, they're they're buddies. Let me be commissioner for one hour. I'm going to make a special exemption and bring Gru Doughty into that mix on that side too. <laughs> and that would be, well, that would really create some there, fun. There's always, yeah, there's always some guys I'm sure that uh, don't like each other uh, very much, and that's okay. That's part of it. You know, you're playing against each other out there. It's a hard game, and uh, you're definitely not going to like every player. I don't mind bad blood in hockey. Do you? No, I, I don't. I mean, mind let, it let's create some. It, it should be. Should, I don't. I don't want unnecessary nastiness, yeah. but but there should be some a level of animosity oh there definitely should be and there is at times you know and it's hard to to do it over 82 games but there's obviously games that bring out the bad blood and if you will you know obviously in playoffs it's uh pretty good hockey you know every night oh, yeah. it, it changes it definitely does hey thank you so much for the time this week good luck on saturday afternoon and uh, enjoy some downtime during that all-star week yeah thank you very much curbs you too well that's the head coach of the st louis blues craig baruby you can hear him in detail each and every week here on the boardwalk hardwood floors behind the bench show when we come back another jam-packed show for you john kelly sits down with former blues defenseman and current new york rangers analyst joe micheletti you'll also hear from blues team president chris zimmerman and also st louis and Steve Carroll, who has been the longtime voice of the Anaheim Ducks. Coming up next, John Kelly sits down with Joe Micheletti. It's Behind the Bench, presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, here on your home for St. Louis Blues Hockey, 101 ESPN. And welcome back to Behind the Bench here on 101 ESPN. I'm John Kelly. Our guest in this segment is former Blues player, Blues assistant coach and Blues broadcaster, Joe Micheletti. Always good to see you. Joe is coming in town next week to do the all-star game on Westwood One Radio with Chris Kerber. And, Joe, when you come back to St. Louis, what are your first thoughts? Oh, boy, John, that, that's a tough question, you know, because, <laughs> because there's so many. You know, first of all, um, you know, I, I spent so much time here. My wife, Kathy, is from here. Our kids were born here. In fact, our son Adam uh, has moved back here a couple of years ago, so uh, we're going to try and get back as early as you know, early as we can to so we can spend some time with them. But you know, I, th- I think of my time here. I think of your dad um, because as I, you know, my wife and I were talking the other day about how lucky we are and how fortunate we've been, and to think that you know I was finished playing hockey and trying to make a living, and your dad calls me to you know to say listen I need somebody to be an analyst on radio with me you're not going to make any money but I think you know I think you'd be good and I think we'd have fun and do all that and to get that kind of a break in my life 
And to think back of that now, I mean, that's just one of the one of the greatest things that ever happened to me. Well, I know he thought a lot of you. Was was he tough on you at the start, or did he did try to ease you in? No, no, no. He was he <laughs> he he was tough from the. You talk about the start. The first game your father and I ever worked, and your dad used to tell me. He said, he said, well, you know, we'll have some time to uh, to to spend together so we can talk about broadcasting before the first game, and uh, but we never did. We never had the time. Your dad was busy and I was working another job. I was in the brokerage business. And, and so we never had a chance to get together uh, before the first game, which just happened to be a preseason game against Detroit in Peoria, Illinois. And halfway through the first period, and of course, your, your father's great goal calls, right, is uh, only one of the things that made him famous. But as he, as the Blues scored a goal, and right in the middle of your father's call, I said something on the air. And he looked at me, and of course your father didn't wear the headset, right? He held the microphone. He looked over at me, glanced at me, and glared at me, and he, <laughs> said, he sent it to commercial, and he says, if you ever do that again, you're fired. I said, <laughs> I said do what? He says, talking when I'm in the middle of a call. You know? <laughs> so those are the things that, but it, it helped me so much because, you know what, he was so honest with me. And he'd, there'd be other games where he'd say, you were really good tonight. And there are other games he'd say, you embarrassed yourself tonight. And I'd always say to him, well, why? Or how? What did, I, what did I say? Or what didn't I say? Or what didn't I do? And he would tell me. And then we'd move on. But that's how I learned. And I'm, I'll never forget that. And I still, the things that he taught me, those years I worked with him, are still things I think about before I do every game. Am I prepared? Have I talked to both coaches? Have I talked to players? Am I, you know, am I ready for whatever what might happen in this game? And that's what your father taught me. Yeah, that's really nice. And obviously he saw you play a lot of games with the Blues. Joe, I remember the team that you were on 80-81 with mm -hmm. Red Berenson and of course Barkley Plager as an assistant coach. That's a team that I thought could have won. Uh, you know, I know you had some injuries in the playoffs, Perry Turnbull and things right. like that, but I'm sure as a player that was one of your best years. It was, it was like we were really disappointed, John, that we that we didn't because we thought we, you know, we finished second overall in the league that year to the Islanders. And the Islanders, of course, were repeat uh, cup winners. Uh, but we thought we could we thought we could compete and beat anybody. And when you get that feeling on a team, it's like the current blues now, especially after winning it, they know that they can beat anybody. We had that we had that feeling. We thought we had enough scoring, we thought we had enough toughness. We thought we had you know, certainly with Michael Ute and goal, that we had enough of the elements that you need to have a long run. And right, we missed Perry Turnbull uh, in the playoffs when he got hurt. Uh, our scoring dried up. You know, Bernie's line was going. Our second line didn't score at the, with Jorgen Pedersen and Wayne Babich and, and Blake Dunlop in the middle. Didn't score at the same rate they had during the regular season because that was a year uh, um, Wayne Babich had, had 50 goals, 50-goal 50 season. And so we didn't have that. And then you add the injuries, and it just, you know, it was really disappointing. And it's something that I, I, still, I still think about that team. I still think about that year an awful lot. I'm sure you do. Again, we're talking with Joe McLeod, former Blues player and broadcaster and coach, now does a great job with the Rangers, also on NBCSN and also on Westwood One Radio. And Joe, you mentioned the Blues winning the Stanley Cup. And as a former Blue, I'm sure you took some pride in that. I just, I just loved it, and I was, uh, I was so fortunate to be able to work it for Westwood One. Did you see a lot of the Blues games in the in the playoff run? Oh, I did, I did. In fact, I worked, uh, I worked, uh, I worked the, the the game, which really turned out to be uh, kind of a, a famous playoff game against San Jose on the overtime 
on the yeah. overtime winner by Carlson on the on the hand pass. And so I worked a couple of that series and then I uh, worked a game against Dallas that they had as well. So anyway, so I, when I wasn't working the games, you know, like you do as hockey, we, we try to watch everything. And so, so, uh, uh, so I watched a lot of their games. I was able to work a few of them, which was fun. And, uh, and, then, that fi- and then that final to do, uh, to do all those games in the final and, and watch them win the way they did. Uh, with a coach that I thought was the was the key figure for them, uh, was really I was really happy for just I was happy for so many people, and the city of St. Louis and their long wait and their great fan base and you know to see them get through that does so much for a city and a, and a fan group because when you wait that long. As soon as something goes wrong with a team, you know, there's, there's a lot of negativity. Oh, that's it. They're not going to win another one. They can't. And to see this team keep rebounding and keep rebounding, and it's something the city hadn't seen. And then they get to Boston, and then they lose game six and have to go to Boston. And of course, people are thinking, oh, they can't win there. And I thought they were going to win. You know, I was at, I said, I think they're going to win game seven because of the, the way they're coached, their attitude, um, the fact that they won big games on the road, and their ability to shrug things off, as they did against San Jose, and, that, and shrug it off, and let's get on to the next game. It was just, it was fabulous. You mentioned Bruby. Why do you think he is such a key to the whole, the whole success of this team? Uh, his leadership, more than anything, and his, and his, his attitude, and his, uh, his calmness in the middle of chaos is what is so impressive with the guy. He is a down-to-earth, no-nonsense guy. He's a fabulous person. And what he, what he did with that team, you know, from if you want to go back to January 7th and start there, and, of course, Bennington, and, but to keep, to keep everybody focused the way he did on a day-to-day basis, and then his attitude in that loss to San Jose on a hand pass when everybody was going crazy, and they should have been. It was a total miss. Everybody knows that. But for him to get to the locker room and say, okay, you know, big deal. Let's, let's get on the next one. Let's win the next game. And he calmed everybody down, and he kept his team focused on what they were trying to do. So he just has so many good aspects to what he is as a person and a coach that, you know, to me, he was, he was the real key to getting this thing going. Yeah, good stuff. Joe McLeod, you're coming to town again next week for the, the All-Star game, of course, Friday night, the skills competition. Uh, before that, the, the, the celebrity game, the alumni game on Thursday night at Centene. Not sure if you're going to make that. And then, of course, the All-Star game on Saturday the 25th. You've covered numerous All-Star games as a broadcaster. What will make it special in St. Louis next week? Uh, just being here. No, it really will. I mean, the, the timing of this... It's fabulous. Coming off a Stanley Cup, uh, to do what they did for this city and this fan base is something that will last, you know, last forever. But then to follow that up with an all-star game, which I think, you know, listen, there's certain people, people that criticize the all-star game, ah, it's not a regular season game, it's not a playoff game, so what? You know, this is, these are the great stars of the game. And, uh, and to have the rep- representation that the team is having in this city, in front of that, I love the All Star Game. I love I love what it's uh, what it's meant to be. 
I love the fact that the couple days before, there's so much going on and gives the fans a chance to get closer to their team and see a lot of different things. So it's just, uh, and I get to, I, I get to come, I basically come home here, see some of my family, and I got a lot of friends in the city. So it'll be, uh, it'll, it'll just be fabulous. It should be a lot of fun. And the three-on-three format, Joe, I think has made it more competitive. Would you agree? Yeah, it has. I think, I think the three-on-three has become a home run. Uh, it's... Uh, you know, we see more of it in the regular season, which I think is better than too many shootouts. So they've been able to get away from that. And, you know, this is, this is a league now that is about youth, unbelievable skill, and you get to see that with the three-on-three. Three. And, uh, and I love it. Should be a lot of fun. Hey, Joe, always great to catch up with you. Enjoy All-Star Week next week here in St. Louis, and always great to see you. Great to see you, John. Thanks for this. All right, that is uh, broadcaster Joe Micheletti, our guest coming up next. We'll talk to Blues President of Business Operations, Chris Zimmerman. That is next on Behind the Bench. And welcome back to Behind the Bench here on 101 ESPN. I'm John Kelly, and pleased to be joined in this segment with Chris Zimmerman, of course, the President and CEO of business operations of the St. Louis Blues. And Chris, it's going to be only, what, less than uh, a week away now, the all-star festivities, of course, the alumni game on Thursday, the skills competition on Friday night, the 5K run, um, the game itself Saturday, um, the fanfare runs Thursday to Sunday. So are you ready to host the Hockey World here in St. Louis? Well, <clears throat> we obviously have a full schedule with quite a few events going on. And yes, we are absolutely ready. It's, um, you know, it's a great honor for us to be able to host this event. It's one of the league's premier events. And I think it's a reflection of where the game has come and everything that we've been doing, both around hockey in the community as well as the strength of the Blues fan base right now. Chris, as you know, the Blues have hosted two All-Star games, the last one in 1988. So how long have you and, and Tom Stillman and the ownership group been working on Gary Bettman and the lead to get a game back in St. Louis? You know, it really, um, bringing the game back to St. Louis, a lot of it was connected to the work we've been doing on the renovation of the Enterprise Center. From the start of that project, we really focused on our ability to win events that without the renovation, we wouldn't be getting. And I can assure you, without having done um, over $100 million worth of work to really revitalize and reimagine this building, um, we wouldn't be hosting the game. And so um, I would say it's been probably three years, really soon after we hosted the Winter Classic, at the same time we were working on all of the plans around the renovations. That's really when we started, uh, if you will, our pursuit of bringing the All-Star Game back to St. Louis. Chris, I know that the NHL All-Star Game is a league-wide event, but I'm sure that, that you and the ownership group and the entire organization has to do quite a bit of work to get ready for this event. Well, it is a league event, and, and they, they manage the building, and that they do uh, quite a bit of the planning, and, and they are the host of um, the post-event parties. But at the same time, yes, we've got many um, roles that we play in preparing for this. A lot of it is events like the All-Star 5K, which will happen on Saturday morning. Um, those are events that we really take the lead on in trying 
to build the opportunity for more people to touch the event. Uh, we have a number of events that will be happening out at uh, the Centene Community Ice Center, which, uh, whether it's the alumni game, um, we have a program around our legacy project that we'll be announcing, which is continuing to work to build girls' hockey participation. Um, so there are a number of elements that are not just about that this weekend, but it's really about advancing hockey in, in the St. Louis region. Again, the skills competition Friday night, the 24th. The game itself is on Saturday, but the fanfare can touch everybody because I know tickets are hard to get. They're, they basically aren't available. The game is sold out, but you still can get tickets to fanfare. Yes, you tickets. There are a few tickets left. Um, we've had an amazing response to the tickets uh, for Fanfare. Fanfare starts on Thursday. It'll run through Sunday. Tickets give you an entry at a specific time. Um, they're they're very affordable. I think on the weekend they're eighteen dollars, and um, uh, that's going to be another way to touch all of the activity. Many sponsors will be there. There will be autographs. With, with current players and alumni players there. Uh, the Stanley Cup and other key NHL trophies will be there. So I, I really believe for the uh, core hockey fan or the new hockey fan that's just learning about all that the NHL is about, I think the fanfare at Union Station is going to be a fantastic experience. Again, we're talking with Chris Zimmerman, this president and CEO of business operations of the St. Louis Blues. And Chris, how much has it helped the Blues and the relationship with the NHL, having the Winter Classic here a couple of years ago, and of course the Stanley Cup Finals. So it's not like this is the biggest event we've had here in the last 10 years. Well, I think it it, it has helped a lot. Our uh, It's really the same events team at the NHL that is led by Steve Mayer that um, puts on all of the events from the Winter Classic to the Stanley Cup Finals in partnership with the home t- host teams, uh, as well as the all-star game and so you can imagine it's like any other project you work on uh, you get more familiar with each other you get to learn and build trust and collaboration and and we find um, our working relationship with the league is is really um, a valuable asset and the time we've spent together on these other projects is certainly paying off in preparing for the all-star game what would you say is the biggest challenge when you have to put on an event of this magnitude? Well, I think it, it's it's about the breadth of people that we're trying to touch and the number of events and overlapping events. Um, so there's the big schedule, and then there's obviously um, smaller events for league partners, for blues partners. Um, we've got um, a screening of uh, a documentary that was uh, that highlights the life of Willie O'Ree and his entry into the NHL. Um, that will be played for uh, a, um, a a specific list of guests that will go to see that one day. So beyond the events that are happening, um, we're, again, we're trying to touch as many parts of the community as we can, and um, it, um, it's going to keep us on our toes. Yeah, I would think so. Again, it's coming up in a few days. Any idea, Chris, the economic impact 
for the city and the, and the region for this, this week coming up? Yeah, so our estimate, um, based on other cities, based on some of the work we did um, around the Winter Classic, is that uh, the economic impact for the region will be about $20 million. So um, it's significant. Again, it is one of the key pieces of uh, the value that we believe we bring back to the city, the state, um, in bringing people into St. Louis and obviously putting St. Louis uh, on a global stage. Chris, can you put into words how much winning the Cup, the Winter Classic, and now this All-Star game has meant to the business of the St. Louis Blues and, and the impact that they are now having in this community? Well, I think you see it in so many ways, um, from uh, the building being sold out in full really every night. We have our first um, waiting list um, for season tickets. Um, the demand is certainly up uh, quite dramatically year to date. Our television ratings are up over 30%, which in today's media marketplace is a pretty exceptional number. And that's off a strong base. So what's really happening, I think, is um, we've taken, uh, I believe, a very good hockey market, and we're making it a great hockey market. And I think we're going to keep working on extending that growing the game, getting more people obviously involved as fans, but beyond that, uh, also working to continue to grow youth hockey and the participation. All of those things together um, make us very bullish on uh, where we sit. Um, we're proud of, of what we've been able to accomplish. And uh, just like our team, I assure you, uh, the focus is on how we can keep getting better. Obviously, what um, from your perspective personally, I know you've been to many all-star games. What are you especially looking forward to next week? I'm looking forward to the people who come into town and, um, if you will, are surprised by, by how good the experience is, how passionate um, St. Louis is about sports and specifically about the NHL. Um, that experience that we're able to give people uh, and our ability to showcase um, the blues, NHL hockey, um, and our region – those are the things that, for me, are the most rewarding. Well, it should be a great week coming up again starting next Thursday with uh, Fanfare, the uh, alumni game, and, of course, the skills competition Friday. You mentioned the 5K run Saturday and the All-Star game the Saturday the 25th. Chris, thank you for your time, and uh, I know the Blues will uh, do the hockey world proud and everyone here in St. Louis next week. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, John. I think it will be great. Let's have some fun. Okay, that's uh, – Blues President and CEO Chris Zimmerman, our guest here on Behind the Bench. We'll have much more coming up after this. And welcome back to Behind the Bench here on 101 ESPN. John Kelly, our show tonight brought to you by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Boardwalk has great floors for every home with better selection, better value, and the best service. Visit a showroom in Crestwood, Manchester, or St. Peter's or online at boardwalkhardwood.com. Our guest here in this segment is the longtime radio voice of the Anaheim Ducks, Steve Carroll. Now in his 21st year, and also a native St. Louisan, another St. Louisan in the NHL. That's good to see. It is. It really is. And uh, it's been a long run, uh, John. We were talking a little bit while ago that uh, it all starts here. Uh, going to the uh, broadcast center, if you remember that school, that's where I actually got some of my training and wound up working in this market for five years at three or four different stations. Uh, first 
job was in Farmington, Missouri at KREI Radio doing a grapevine talk show in the morning. And since 1980, been all over doing uh, AAA baseball, AA baseball, lots of hockey and a lot of college sports, uh, Southeastern Conference Big 8. So I've had a chance to do a lot of things, and it kind of winds up as we all look forward to it, hopefully in a situation where you get what you've actually worked for. Uh, it took me uh, about... 30 years before I got it, but a chance to work in the National Hockey League or Major League Baseball and situation in Anaheim came up and I uh, was very happy it did and uh, a lot warmer there than it is here these days, but uh, it's all worked out and uh, grew up listening to all the big names here, the Jack Bucks, the Dan Kellys and it's been a great experience coming back here the last 24 hours too because I've had a chance to see a lot of people that I haven't seen for a while and you know, we don't get a chance to spend a lot of time in here when you're traveling in and out of town, but yesterday was a great day, and uh, talking to you because you guys do an outstanding job here. I'll just put that on the table. <laughs> TV radio crew here is amongst the best in the league, and just nice to sit down and be able to talk. Well, thank you very much. And, Steve, you were uh, reminiscing a few minutes ago uh, off the air, but as a kid, you, you went to the first couple of years in St. Louis with the Blues going to the Stanley Cup Final. What really sticks out to you from those first three years? Well, uh, we did well up until the finals, right? <laughs> right. Uh, Montreal, the first two years, Canadians swept them, then Boston. And that's why even though I'm out in the West Coast last year when the Blues won the Stanley Cup, I was really pulling for them because I didn't miss many games over the first seven, eight years of the franchise. Not only uh, partial season tickets, but I was here three hours before a game standing at the old St. Louis Arena behind one of the goals. I stayed after games to collect autographs. I did the same thing with the Cardinals back in the uh, late 60s and throughout the 70s. and uh, Just a lot of memories, but the Blues were very special to me. And I still have audio play-by-play from Dan Kelly uh, when the Red Berenson six-goal night occurred in Philadelphia against Doug Favell. I mean, the list goes on and on. And pick them out once in a while and listen to them. And uh, that's how, that's how I was raised on sports here in St. Louis. And I went to St. Louis Billikens College hockey games for a couple of years, St. Louis Hawks. And very, very special place. Not many left in the family, but when I get a chance to come in town, you like to look up old friends. So, Steve, you were telling me that you've worked in a lot of different spots in the minors in both baseball and hockey. So, growing up in St. Louis, I'm sure that you wanted to be Jack Buck or Dan Kelly, right? Oh, you got that. And you know what? People tend to forget how good Bob Costas was doing the Spirit of St. Louis old ABA games. He was a terrific basketball announcer. And Bob Starr, who actually, I got to meet his sons my first day out in California, did the Big Red, the St. Louis Cardinal football games, and the TV guys, you know, the Ron Jacobers, the Jay Randolph. I was glued to the TV and glued to the radio because radio to me is special because I grew up on it. You have to paint a picture and it was just a tremendous experience. And the other thing was my parents never had to worry about me getting into trouble because they knew where I was. I was down at Bush Stadium, the old uh, stadium as well, old St. Louis Arena. So they knew I was coming home after I got the last autograph I could on a given night. Yeah, absolutely. Again, we're talking with Steve Carroll, longtime radio voice of the Anaheim Ducks, now in his 21st year. And 
against Steve. You spent so many years riding buses oh. in baseball and hockey. What's your What's your best minor league story that you can that you can tell to the audience oh here? Goodness. Uh, well, first of all, there weren't that many winning teams. So <laughs> when we did win, I was with the Iowa Cubs for uh, seven years, the Nashville Sounds for five, Huntsville Stars for three. Maybe uh, watching the Consecos come up through the minor leagues. Uh, Jose Ozzy, his brother, Mark McGuire was there my first year back in the 80s and uh, they had some good ball clubs back then and spent some time in New Orleans with the Triple uh, A team of the Astros but most of the memories I think come from hockey, United States Hockey League, East Coast Hockey League, American League and I think my time in New Haven with the Nighthawks in the mid-80s was important to me because somewhere in this business you have to count on somebody get some help to get some of these jobs and uh, the short time I was there which was for two seasons I ran into a guy, uh, his name was Roy Malacher, wound up working with the Kings and uh, I think he was at least uh, somewhat instrumental, made a call for me I don't know to this day if he did, but uh, I think he might have uh, given me a boost uh, when the Anaheim job came open since he was out in that area, so even though I wasn't there a long time it's funny how certain times in life you're put in a spot maybe you don't know about why you were there but then what uh, 10 years later 15 years later you find out why so all of those experiences were great and had I not been able to get a big league job guess what I would have been happy in the minor leagues because I have a passion for what I do that's a great attitude and you also saw the Ducks win the Stanley Cup in 07 so you could appreciate when what Blues fans went through last spring Oh, it was, it was terrific. We came so close, like I said, the first three years. And uh, so many memories just coming here to the rink and the, the great players, the great coaches, Scotty Bowmans. I mean, the list goes on and on. But I have to tell you, I was rooting for that group because they were a special group here. And quite honestly, looking from the outside into what we're seeing here tonight when the Ducks come in to play you guys, I think you have a heck of a chance to maybe uh, – duplicate that and win. I think it's great for the city of St. Louis. I have to tell you this quick story. I'm over at my sister's house yesterday in Oakville and uh, I'm just asking her about uh, what was it like, the parade and everything here. I wish I could have been here for that. And we're going into the uh, subdivision where she lives and most of the houses have blues, flags on the front of the house, on the front steps, on the back. And I can't believe how much St. Louis Blues things that I saw out in communities I drove through last uh, last 24 hours. So that means something that it did a lot for the city, the community, and you know what? It was well-deserved. These are passionate fans here. I was one of them. I would have given anything to be able to witness a, a winning night for a Stanley Cup, but it's a great sports town, and I've always had a special feel for this organization, and uh, I wish you well. Hopefully uh, the Ducks can win another one, but uh, we're in a kind of a transition period right now, but uh, hopefully we can give you a good game tonight, but Congratulations to you guys, the organization, and the fans because you earned it and you deserved it. Yeah, no question. It's a, it was a long time coming, 52 years. Steve, I wanted to ask you um, to conclude here about David Perron. Of course, he credits Ryan Getzloff with really to help him become a better player. He played with Getzloff a few years ago in Anaheim and now is one of, to me, one of the best one-on-one -on -one players in the offensive zone in the entire league. Uh, what do you remember about David Perron as a duck? Hard worker, always trying to learn, 
and uh, gives you 100% on the ice every time. And uh, I saw him play a lot over in Vegas on TV. And uh, you like to see a guy like him be rewarded and to be a part of the special team they had here. And his success that he's had over the years, uh, we didn't see him for that long of a time. But uh, I can tell you he's just a good quality person. You root for them. I think he's improved as a hockey player, and I do think uh, Ryan Getzlaff was a part of that. Getzlaff's one of the leaders on our hockey club, has been for a long time. So you like to see a guy who's worked hard be rewarded with a chance to get to the top of whatever sports you're in. And the other part of it is he's just a good guy. You know, we went in to ask him for an interview for our pregame tonight. This is a game day, kind of tough to get four or five minutes, and my partner uh, Dan Wood got it done, and uh, you can't ask for much more than that. So you root for people like that. No question about it. Hey, Steve, always good to catch up with you. Again, now in your 21st year as the radio voice of the Anaheim Ducks, doing St. Louis proud. Great to catch up with you today. Well, thanks. You are, too, and uh, keep up the good work, and uh, good luck to you guys going forward. Thank you. That is Steve Carroll, the longtime radio voice of the Ducks. Again, that is our show tonight. Uh, thanks to Craig Berube and Chris uh, Kerber. Also, thanks to Chris Zimmerman for his time, and Joe Micheletti, the uh, color analyst for the New York Rangers. That's our show for tonight. Thank you very much for joining us, and have a great night.